Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of Make Better. Uh, we have a very special guest, Giancarlo from Crooked Media. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here. Two of my favorite people um, and with one of my favorite tech, ad techs in the space. So honestly, thrilled to be here. Woohoo! Um, can you give us a little bit, um, you know, of info about your background, Crooked Media? You guys are a publisher and a network. Yeah, just give us the lowdown. Yeah, so Crooked Media was founded in 2017 by uh, three Obama staffers: John Favreau, John Lovett, and Tommy Vitor. And it kind of was a, I'd say, a security blanket for a lot of people during some very tough years in terms of politics. But honestly, we wanted to make uh, a network that, um, you know, educated people, entertained them and inspired them to take action. Um, my background personally, I've been in the podcast space since uh, right around the end of 2014, beginning of 2015. Um, I helped uh, put an ad agency on the map and launch some small little advertisers that have blossomed into bigger advertisers. Um, and I've had the fortunate kind of luxury to be at some really cool uh, startup companies such as Cadence 13 um, and then not so startup-y uh, William Morris Endeavor. Uh, and then now I've been here at Crooked for almost four years uh, managing sort of sales. But yeah, we're a, we're a publisher, we're a network. We have a partnership with SiriusXM. Um, we definitely try to create content that, um, you know, engages people where they are and also makes complicated topics more approachable. Um, but we love our advertisers and we definitely wouldn't be where we are without them today. So That's before amazing. we jump in here, Giancarlo, do you want to name drop a brand or two that you help kickstart into this space that is maybe still an active advertiser? Yeah, there's a, there's a little, uh, there's a little company called ZipRecruiter, um, at the time, uh, helped put one of their first podcast campaigns together. Uh, it was about a $50,000 campaign, uh, with some networks that are still around today. Um, and yeah, they scaled exponentially across the board and then, you know, companies like blue apron and dollar shave club and ring the video doorbell, which maybe is not advertising now, not as much as simply safe, you know, we got to keep <laughs> our allegiances for with crooked. So, um, but yeah, those were just some of the, a few of the clients that I've helped launch into the space and obviously, you know, have sat on both the buying and the sales side of this industry. And I think that that's helped me a lot along the way. Absolutely. I think that's actually what makes you such a great guest for this episode today is that you've seen both sides of the spectrum from placing ads and then having to critique them and go, oh, they did a really bad job at executing what I gave them. And then as well, being on the creator side where you've been given really bad ad copy before and you've had to say, how do we make something out of this? And frankly, you guys over at Crooked Media have been exceptional partners for direct response brands over the course of history where you guys have taken these wonderful products and amplified them to the world. You've done great ad reads. They've done such a great job. I know that there are anecdotal stories of some of those ad reads behind the scenes, the cuts that didn't make it that have been on Twitter, et cetera. Like it is, it is almost an entity within itself to talk about crooked media ad reads. You guys have built your own little empire within this industry for advertisers. And so I think you above many other people in this industry have done such a great job of positioning yourself to come on this podcast and be a true genuine expert. And so really excited for you today. <laughs> well, thank you. Like I'm honored for that. Sorry, Amelia, I didn't mean to cut you off. 
No, no, no. That was great. I was just bowing. <laughs> um, no, this is great. So um, before we dive in, um, you know, we've had Sue on who works for Oxford Road Agency. Adam, you work for Adopter Agency. You know, Giancarlo, you're really one of our first networks. Can you give, uh, you know, some of our audience just like an overview of what really a network and a publisher is and like why a brand would work with one um, versus just maybe buying direct? Yeah. So, I mean, like we... We are an independent network. Obviously, we have a licensing agreement with SiriusXM, so you know they are our exclusive sales and distribution partner. But you know, prior to that agreement, uh, an advertiser, you know, somebody who's coming from maybe an adopter or an Oxford Road or an Ad Results or a Veritone or even a larger holding company like an OMG that's doing an entertainment campaign could come to us directly and say, "Hey, we love you know Pod Save America. We want to advertise on this show." We don't know how to do that. We buy a lot of digital or, you know, we, we, we buy a lot of sort of social media, um, SEO. How do we get into podcasts? And our job is to A, educate them, B, ensure they have a very positive first experience with the medium so that they continue, right? And C, you know, have hopefully a successful campaign for both parties, one in which that, you know, makes it so that they want to continue or come back to us to advertise in the future. And I think that having sat on the other side of this sort of industry and placing a lot of ads, uh, it gives you a lot of insight into what does work and what doesn't work. And so, you know, I'm agnostic as a buyer. When I was a buyer, I'd buy from independent publishers. I'd buy from larger networks. I think that, you know, it's always good to try to find content that aligns with the products that you're trying to uh, push out there. And I think the same thing is true from a network perspective. Like we want to be advertising products that I think align with our value set um, we want to find products that align with our hosts and we want to make sure that if they're doing an endorsed read, um, they're doing that from a place of, uh, from honesty and truth and that they're, you know, actually able to use a product and endorse it from a perspective that I think makes sense for, for the show. But yeah, from a, from a, from a publisher's perspective, like we're agnostic as well. We want as much money as possible, but at the same time, we want to make sure that we're doing that in a way that, uh, aligns with our value set and goes Again, doesn't go against what we believe in as a sort of, you know, individuals. I have two fun questions before we jump in for Giancarlo. So Giancarlo, you have lots of great hosts over at Crooked Media, but I want to know from your opinion, which host do you think delivers the best ad reads, your favorite ad reads? Maybe not the best. That's a, that's probably too hard to answer, but your favorite ad reads, who do you like listening to as they deliver some exceptional ad reads? You're going to get me in trouble here, Adam. <laughs> that's um, what I'm trying to do. <laughs> Uh, for, for the most part, I think that, you know, in terms of just really making memorable reads, I think that Lovett is fantastic. He says a lot of stuff off the cuff. Uh, I think all three of them are really good at bantering with one another. I think that's a really key point when you're doing these reads is if you have that ability to connect with a co-host and incorporate them into a read, it can be a little bit more transcendent than if, you know, there's just one host and like, obviously there's a lot of podcasts that are both on and not on crooked that have one host individuals. And for, for them, I'd say the most important thing is to really talk about your experience with the product or with the service that, you know, maybe advertising then and there. Um, yeah, I think love it does great reads. I love, uh, the host of America dissective. I think Abdul really is passionate about the products that he, um, that he has on his show. Um, I think what a day, you know, Priyanka has got her own blog. She does a really good sort of read. Travel is fantastic. You know, 
strict scrutiny. Um, Melissa Murray gets in there. Kate Shaw, Leah Lippman, like they're all great. John Carly. You're, you're naming I, too I, many I, people. They're all now. my child. We, yeah, I said well, one. You know, I said one. <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't, I can't leave anyone out, and I got to be a little bit diplomatic here. I don't want <laughs> other hosts coming back and like, you know, I'm hey, sending this to John Favreau afterwards. I'm saying John Carlo <laughs> did not name you number one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, Favreau's well, the voice of God. Love it is more of the color commentary. <laughs> uh, awesome. And then lastly, uh, of the shows on Crooked Media, do you have a favorite that you personally like to listen to? Listen, I love Pod Save the World just because I've read most of Ben Rhodes's books. I think that he's oh, nice, nice, nice water bottle there. Uh, I think that he's he's phenomenal, uh, and he and Tommy really do break down foreign policy, which was something that I was really passionate about, um, having grown up all over the world. So. Um, big fan of Pod Save the World. I do like, I do listen to America Dissected a lot. I think that, you know, I don't know a lot about health I and mean, it's a show mainly geared at doctors, but it definitely gives, I think, a good perspective on what's going on in public health in this country. And I think over the pandemic, it was something that I really listened to a lot. And Abdul is just a very approachable person that I think that if anyone has a personal health question uh, and wants to ask him that, he will immediately like take time out of his day to try and answer that to the best of his ability. So um, cool. those are just two, obviously I listen to PSA and, you know, keep it is hilarious. I think Ira and Lewis are, are, you know, trendsetters in their own way. Um, and they really talk about, uh, entertainment and culture in a way that I think few shows can do. So those would be just three that I kind of, you know, pick out of the bunch, but awesome. love them all equally. Cool. Amazing. Amazing. Um, anything else? Adam? No, let's anything? dive in. Let's get into this. Okay. I'm ready. Um, Yes. Amazing. So uh, we've got four uh, ads, two brands, um, and across four different shows. So the theme of this episode, um, I'm not sure if you guys have seen this, but Podscribe has been making some updates to their, um, you know, just platform in general. And one of the things that we've been updating is some of our uh, planning, discovering competitive Intel's tools. So I'm going to share my screen real quickly. Um, one of the recent updates that we made was um, on the advertiser tracking side. So you can use Podscribe to discover what advertisers are in the space, where they're buying, how often they're buying, all of that really great stuff. Um, but we just launched this really cool new feature, which is new advertisers. So if you click on this tab over here, you'll see a list of advertisers that we have discovered are spending and running ads in the podcast space within the last three months that we haven't seen 12 months before. So we've never, we haven't seen them for over a year in the space. They've come up in the last three months. Um, so good tool um, for, you know, agencies and advertisers and, you know, networks and publishers to see where the, you know, space is moving, what new advertisers are coming on board. Um, but Adam, like maybe just give us an example of, of how you would use this in particular, like obviously finding new shows to scale on all of that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, what, what is, you know, sort of the big value you think that this would bring? Well, I think from my end, there's two main value props. Uh, one is if there's a new advertiser that maybe isn't being represented by an agency, this is a good opportunity for me to see who's coming into the space, who's spending, where might be an opportunity for us to reach out to a brand and maybe have them come and work with us. But on the flip side as well, the other piece is that this is a really competitive industry where you're always trying to find new shows that are going to be great for your brands. And there are other really smart buyers out there that like to test uh new brands on consistently performing shows. And so it's good to take a look at what these new brands are spending on as a good indicator of maybe where I would want to spend some of the money that I have from some of my clients. So I use it for those two reasons. Uh, I'm sure there's a number of other reasons, but it also helps to give you kind of a perspective on what's happening in the industry. Are there lots of new brands coming in? What kind of new brands are actually taking interest in this space? So overall, uh, I think it's a really, really cool feature, but those are the main reasons I use it. 
Awesome, awesome. So um, two of the new brands that we're going to be reviewing ads for are Impossible Foods. They make the Impossible Burgers um, and meats and other Yum. you know delicacies. And then uh, Poise, which is a, I actually haven't heard of this brand. Really, really cool. Um, interesting topic for sure, but um, uh, like leak-proof underwear kind of stuff, specifically in all of the ones that we, um, the ads uh, that we're going to be listening to are sort of care, uh, catered to new moms, mm. um, which is really funny because, uh, uh, you know, lots of pregnancies, I'm sure you guys know some uh, but lots of them this is the season so um first off you know, to again, add to that like perfect brand for podcast advertising like moms are an easily reachable target demographic for podcasting in general like perfect brand makes a ton of sense why they're doing podcast stuff so true so true um okay cool and then you know again just a little bit more about podscribe you know you click on the show so we're going to be looking at impossible um and uh you know you can drop down and see all the ads so we're going to pick uh be reviewing a couple ads that they've recently run um very exciting but again just just cool tips um and tools to help you know um people see what what is going on in the space uh, without further ado, let's kick it off then. We will start with, um, let's see, we'll start with uh, two Impossible ads. Um, I thought it would be cool to pick both uh, or, or only two brands and review two of their ads from different shows because it'll just give light on like how, you know, what Adam and I talk about all the time, how these um, hosts are actually catering the ad to like what their content is and whatnot. Um, so the first one we're going to be listening to, Impossible Foods on the Toast. I think we've listened to a couple ads on this show and they do it pretty, pretty well. So um, let's kick it off. Today's episode is also brought to you by Impossible Foods. It is summertime. It means it's hot grill summer. And we're all outside, you know, being girly, barbecuing up. And Impossible Foods wants you and your grill to join them in making meat history. So as you may or may not know, Impossible Beef is delicious. It tastes like beef. And historically speaking, of course, beef is delicious. No. But it's made from plants. So Impossible has zero animal hormones, 19 grams of protein per serving, and it's better for the planet. It's so delicious. It tastes just like beef. So why not the next time you're shopping at your local grocer, grab Impossible Beef Patties. Grab any of the Impossible food products. They're so good. They're good for the planet. They have a ton of protein. And, you know, you're, you're doing good for your body, good for the planet, while also participating in barbecue culture. Because it's barbecue season, you know. Us vegetarian girls, our kosher girls, our girls who want to eat less meat, like, we don't want to be left out. We still want to wear cute outfits and grill it up. So if you're looking for better options on what to grill, grab Impossible. We're making meat history today. Head over to the meat aisle at your local store, grab some Impossible beef patties, and get grilling. Jackie and I, Jackie more so, because, you know, we're limited in what we can eat as kosher girlies. We find ourselves over the last few years really always reaching for the Impossible aisle. When there's Impossible burgers at restaurants, like, we're always ordering it. It's such a treat. It's such a luxury. Mm -hmm. Um and you should join us because there's no reason not to. It's so delicious. It tastes just like beef, but it's so much better for the planet. So this summer, make sure to head over to the local grocer. Get yourself some Impossible Beef. Thanks, Claude. You're welcome. All right. Interesting one. Pretty quick. Um, Giancarlo, what do you think? Any, any high-level thoughts? Um, I mean, and then we'll have you give it a grade. Yeah, Hot Creel Summer is fantastic. Like, that's a really good, right, written line. Like, I'm not, I'm not on the creative side of things as much as I should be, but... Listen, like that's a great line. Make meat history. That's also very funny. Uh, I like the fact that they lean in with the taste factor and then come in with sustainability second because what we've seen for some of our more sustainable products, and we've got a lot, uh, one of which Adam is advertising on some of our content right now. Like I think the ease of use and or like, you know, worthiness of the product sometimes 
is a better lead in than the sustainability factor, at least on our content. So I think that's a very smart kind of creative choice. Um, overall, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a quality spot. It's an endorsed read. I think that you have both the hosts come in, like, um, definitely think that, you know, I might go check it out. Uh, I don't really hear a huge call to action at the end. So that would be my one critique. It's just like, go check it out at the grocery store. Um, maybe I'd like to know where I can buy it. Like, is it at a Ralph's or, but you know, every grocery chain, at least the Kroger ones have different names all over the country. So maybe that was intentional would be left out, but that's my only piece of feedback, negative kind of criticism on that. But other than that, good ad. That's great. Um, no, I love what you said, the the meat or make meat history, all of that sort of stuff. Um, interesting that you brought up the taste and then the sustainability stuff, because Adam, I think we've talked about this before. Some of like the subscription box food companies and stuff, they really lean into the convenience and the packaging side and all of those other features. But sometimes they don't even talk about the actual recipes or like what they like about them. And I think you're totally right. That can that could be something that gets mixed up. Like, you know, sure, it might be sustainable, but am I actually going to enjoy it? So I totally agree. I think they did, good, did a good job. Um, sort of starting with that and you know talking about how it actually tastes like meat they emphasize that a lot too <laughs> yeah a hundred percent right there's there's two ways you could go with this product in terms of advertising and this is the product category of anything in this sustainability realm we work with a ton of different sustainable products where you could go all down pitching that side of the product without ever talking about how good the product feels how easy it makes other parts of your life, et cetera, and the taste, et cetera. Whereas I think what they actually did well was resonate to their audience, where even if you are not a vegetarian, they didn't try to overemphasize that you have to be a vegetarian to want to eat this or anything like that. They're kosher. Like they, they eat meat, but they also have restrictions about what kind of meat they can eat, et cetera. And they're pitching this as an opportunity to say like, look, it is a convenient and tasty food and it doesn't have to be a this or that. It can be this and that, and you can incorporate this in, make better choices, et cetera. I really like how they open it up to anyone to enjoy this without discriminating against people who either A, may eat meat or may not like eating meat. They didn't try to overemphasize any of the, maybe if you want to call it political sides of the conversation, they just made it a welcoming ad, which I liked a lot about how they did that. And on top of that, I was looking at Podscribe, I was looking at some of their other ads they've done with the toast to see the diversity of some of the ads they do. On one of them, they talk about how they got an impossible beef burrito on a Delta flight. And I was like, oh, that that's a really good add in of like, oh, you can find this stuff anywhere. Like they're everywhere. They're on Delta flight. Right. And so I really like how they've impersonalized it on multiple ad fronts and on this ad, especially. And but the one thing I will say, like Giancarlo, um, which grocery store can I buy this at? Unless the truth is I can buy it at any grocery store, which if that's the case, then I mean, good for them. Uh, right now, I'm like, oh, where do I go in the grocery? Is it in the meat aisle? Is it where? I don't know. I'm sure I'll find it, though. I, I feel fairly compelled to give this maybe a try. It's hot yeah. girl summer well after all. <laughs> no, that's so great. I love what you said about the Delta piece. Um, and we didn't listen to that ad, but um, super interesting because I, you know, like not everybody's flying on Delta, but right, it, it sort of brings you into the, they've actually tried this, you know, like it was a, mm -hmm. that's a perfect, like, no, I'm not just representing this. Like that is an actual endorsement. I've literally seen it on a Delta flight, like very real world, authentic. Um, I really, really liked that. Um, my only feedback was it felt very sort of like scripted. There was this, and, and not in a bad way. I think she hit all of the points and, and they did a really great job, but there was this part towards the end where she almost fumbled a little bit and right after that it went into like full authenticity where they were just talking off the cuff and I really really like that and I 
almost wish that they were sort of like switched around because I think she still hit both of them hit all of the points that they had mentioned at the beginning. It just it felt more of like a conversation. Um, so that would be my own the only thing that I noticed. Um, and again, we've we've talked about this before, Adam. Like stumbling and messing up isn't necessarily a no. bad thing. That can be really authentic. And I think my the authenticity like sort of radar turned off in my or turned on in mm-hmm. my head the moment that she sort of like stumbled over her words just a second and then went and continued. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, you want to give some cool. ratings? John Carl, you want to kick us off? Out of 10, we, we rate every ad. Uh, you can be as, you know, I, I've, I've already gotten some feedback from some listeners that I apparently am a very tough grader on podcast ads. Uh, I'm trying to be more generous in where I, where I give these days. <laughs> I'd give it a 7.9 because I think that like the call to action whoa, at the whoa, end whoa, whoa. needs to be... A... We're getting into the decimal systems now. 7.9? Well, I don't know. Okay. Like, like, honestly, I think, it's a, I think it's a bit odd. I think that like... I think that like knowing where it's bought and this isn't on the host, this is more on the, the people writing the, the, you know, the copy for the ad. Um, I think they do a phenomenal job. I think there's some, some, some zingers in there, some one liners, but I still think that that call to action and, you know, brands don't really get into it as much, but like, I think they really need to do it more, right? Like if you're a movie, like, you know, tell us where I can go, like t- give us a Fandango link, like for this thing, it's like, go to impossible.com slash wherever just to check out where you can buy us in your local area. Like that one little thing at the end, I think that would have put that more in like an eight or a nine range. That's the only thing missing for me on this ad. Great. Totally Am I too harsh Adam? too? Uh, you know what? No, if John Carlos kicking it off with some decimals, today's the decimal episode. All right. Uh, I'm going to give it an 8.5. I actually, so first off, I actually really like this show. They almost always do exceptional ad reads. If you're a buyer out there, the toast crushes it with ad reads always. They're very genuine. They always have been. Uh, Claudia, Jackie, you guys are great. I, I, if I worked at Impossible, I would not be remotely upset if I ever heard this. There is almost all good in here. Maybe a little bit more clarity about where to buy. I, I agree. But like this is about as close as you can get to like a great ad read and being happy with on, in my perspective. It's really authentic. Love it. I, yeah, really like this one. Yeah. Um, I mean, mine, mine would very, very much be similar. I think a 7.5 to an eight for sure. I think they did a great job. Again, I really loved how they, the, both of the hosts came in sort of at the end. Um, and I think it added a lot of value because I'm sure the ad was sort of supposed to stop right at that point. And it was supposed to be only like six and 60 seconds, but then they added that conversational component. And I just, I'm such a fan of that because again, we go and talk about just like making the ads content focused and, um, you know, something that an, a, a listener wouldn't want to miss because it is still their host, you know, that they love and they listen to and they respect talking about something authentically. So, um, awesome. I think that one was great. I totally agree. I love that we're going into the decimal stuff. Um, so let's listen to another impossible foods ad um this was this one is on uh watch what uh let's give it a listen flash podcast i'm going to say something scandalous ronnie go on plants are meat and not only are they meat they're delicious especially if they're from impossible foods they taste like beef Exactly. Impossible is making meat history this summer. Yeah, they are. Summer of Impossible. I am so excited to be spending time cooking my summer foods, all that good stuff. And guess what? We can use Impossible sausages, Impossible brats. I mean, it's going to be a great summer for Impossible foods. Impossible beef is made from plants and 19 grams of protein per serving. And it's better for the planet. And it's meat. Plant meat. Correct. So if you're looking for something to grab for your grill, grab some Impossible beef. Summer of impossible start making meat history today just head over to the meat aisle at your local grocery store grab some impossible beef or patties and get grilling 
Um, all right, I'm going to kick it off on this one because um, uh, we've mentioned a couple things um, before, and I think this ties perfectly back to it. So um, whether it's like a jingle or like a phrase, you know, like that's like classic campaign planning, right? You want to have something that like a user is going to take away. And now in both of these ads, and I'm sure we could listen to more ads that they've done, they say make meat history. Um, and if I was listening to any of these shows and they say that that like sticks in my brain and there's a couple other like, you know, impossible like companies out there. Um, but now that phrase and it, and it, you know, sort of just slides off the tongue so easily is really, really stuck in my brain. And I think that is really, really interesting because, you know, a lot of the times these ads, you know, they can just sort of just be like standard evergreen ads. Um, this was clearly, you know, they're, they're launching this in summer, before summer, um, with the goal of like her sort of creating a cohesive campaign um, that these users can take away. And I, and I really liked the integration of like, um, you know, make meat history, because I think it's something that people can remember. And I think the brand did a really good job at, you know, letting the host do their thing and talk about all of those talking points in an authentic way, but making sure they they really said that because it does stick with you. Adam. Awesome. Uh I like this one too. It was short. It was sweet. It was to the point and it didn't have to beat around the bushes too much to get to what it was talking about. And I like how you can tell what some of the talking points are in this. Now that we've listened to two ads, like 19 grams of protein, you have to say that in the ad, they're hitting that big bullet point right there. Uh, it's obviously a summer oriented campaign from what I can tell, at least off of hearing these two ads, maybe that's in the talking points, which is going to be my one critique here, knowing that and now hearing two ads where they emphasize summer and looking at the time frame in which they're buying these ads, we're getting close to the end of summer and that's when their campaign's been running uh looking at some of this they're kind of missing the boat on getting those early grilling seasons in we're kind of hitting late grilling season maybe timing wise on this campaign was a little missed but hard to tell uh, still lots of value to be retained here uh, i do really like the quips i think they do a good job i will say in comparison to the toasts read it did feel a little bit more of a formal ad read rather than an informal recommendation of how they've used it. Or, I mean, we didn't listen to the one with the Delta ad or anything like that, but I could tell at least with the toast, there was a lot more emphasis and a lot more push. Like there, there felt like a call for me to want to join them in this mission to try this, replace it, integrate it into my life in what way. Whereas I felt a little less of a call from watch what crap ends, but still very, very good. Um, I, I got a good rating afterwards, I think for this one, but Giancarlo, why don't you, uh, take it away from here yeah and just real quickly so adam you had mentioned the timing thing because i this one was an ad that was launched on like just a week ago or something so totally right towards the end of summer um you know if we actually look at when they've launched i mean they started running on um you know how did this get made pretty early on but it looks like they did start from um watch what happens and the toast around july which would have been mm -hmm. directly summer so we're just seeing the tail end mm -hmm. of them um but it looks like they did carry this on sort of from the beginning um for a while for sure so um yeah uh let's let's hear it Giancarlo yeah I think from from my perspective it was a very straightforward read like obviously like comparing the two you know hot grill summer is the one line that I think that the toast really did a good job of bringing in that maybe they could have been a little bit more um conversational amongst one another they tried it I saw a couple of bantery type moments but it wasn't necessarily as bantery as the toast and I just want to caveat on the toast sort of like criticism from the previous thing. And I don't know if we can go back. I'm not criticizing the host per se. I'm more criticizing the copywriter. So the host did a phenomenal job. And I think that, you know, maybe there wasn't a lot to work with here, right? Like, I think that like to Adam's point, like it was a quick read. It was good. It was fine. It, like, honestly, as an advertiser, if I was buying this, I would be a-okay. This is a, this is a fine read. It works for me. Um, I think that, 
you know, my only piece of critique would be to maybe banter a little bit more in the way that the toast hosts did, because I think that that's something that um, catches your attention a little bit longer and maybe potentially makes the things that they are talking about, those big bullet points resonate a bit more. Like I, you know, these are two shows that maybe most people aren't going to listen to back to back. Maybe they are, I don't know. Right. But I do think that like, you know, the themes come through, the points come through. It could be a little bit more conversational in nature. That's my only feedback, but it was a fine read. You know, I'll, I'll add to that as well. I, I would love to hear an ad from Impossible where the host goes, you know what, I have been eating beef all this time and I made a switch over. So much so that I even tried to convince my family to or whatever it is. And I, I snuck an Impossible burger into our family dinner or whatever and I got them all to try it and they were blown away or something like, give me a story of how you integrated this into your life. Like, give me, give me something where you're convincing me, maybe a meat eater that this could be a good trade for me. I, and, and maybe that's asking for too much out of the ad read, too much out of the host. And that's where a great host and a great endorsement would come from. But, but truly like, yeah, John Carlo, this is fantastic. From an ad perspective, I'm not going to complain. This is great, but it could be. I actually did that. <laughs> With it my cousin, I made. Did you? He's did a very picky. He's a very picky eater. I, he came out to LA. I took him to a mommy burger. Got him three hamburgers, two of which were regular. One was which impossible. And I asked him to pick which one was the impossible burger, and he could not pick it. And then after he ate it, he was kind of mad that I made him eat it because he was like, "I won't eat that stuff." But at the end of the day, he ate it, and <laughs> you know what? Like that, I, I agree with you. Like those kind of. Yeah. Anecdotal, personalized stories, those resonate so hard. And that's the beauty of our industry is the minute that you can have that, that's when, that's when you connect with someone so much further than, I hate to say it, talking points, pre-produced mm -hmm. radio type ads. Like, you know, I'm a big believer in not running the same ad twice because yeah. the first time you hear it is content. The second time you hear it, it's just an ad. Yeah. And so yeah. from my perspective, like, you know, both good reads, but I think that like the more that you can personalize things, the more you're going to kind of have that symbiotic relationship with the listener and with, for the advertiser. And I think it, it suits both parties perfectly going forward. If you can continuously provide that as a network. Um, so, yeah. I love that. Oh my God, that would be such a great simulcast ad too. If you see, we're watching the YouTube version and you're like, you know, the host like throws down three burgers and they're like, let's see if you could like that. Would, yeah. That would just oh, be so beautiful. Yeah. That'd be amazing. That would be perfect. That would, that would constitute maybe a 10 out of 10 read. If we saw yeah. like a, yeah. an in ad comparison, it's like, all right, you know, if this was a toast, all right, Jackie, you're going to take a bite of this one, take a bite of this one, which one, like whatever it is, like have fun. Uh, yeah. So much certified pod scribe, perfect ad. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Yeah. Simulcast and audio perfectly fits. I mean, he would even work from the audio perspective. Okay, I just took a bite of this one. Oh, like, <laughs> no, I had no idea. This one tasted really good. I could tell it was a little different, but I didn't know if that was the cooking or whatever. No, I mm -hmm. love that. I totally agree. Um, okay, so let's go on to the grades. Um, Giancarlo, what would you give this one? I'd say this one's more of a 7.1. Like, it hits okay. all the points. It does what it needs to do. Uh, it doesn't have the personalization. So, you know, not not an ad that like I would be unhappy with, but definitely I'm a hard maybe I'm a hard creator. I don't know. No. That's what I would give it. I'm Great. I'm trying to be just slightly more generous than than John Carlo today. I'm gonna give it a seven point five. And and it's really just comparing to what we got from the toast, which is an unfair comparison, I think, by by trade. 
However, I think they hit everything that the brand would have wanted them to hit. I think they did a good job of telling a good story. It was inviting. It is compelling where you may want to try it. I, I will say that we didn't even touch on this, but there wasn't a ton of call to action in it. Like it wasn't as firm of a call to action to go and check it out in a grocery store or anything like that. That's where I think it loses a lot for me and on the endorsement side, but still like I, I'm not going to complain. And for me, if it's at a 7.5, that's like, yeah, we're in a, We're in a good territory. Like I'd be happy if I heard that. So 7.5. Yeah. Me. That's such a great point. Cause we talked about a lot about the call to action and I didn't even realize, I, I don't, I don't know if they mentioned buy this in grocery stores or whatever they sort of, they, and maybe this audience was assuming that, you know, you can get it at anyone, but that they made a big emphasis on the other one. It wasn't the the best call to action, but they at least said like, you can check it out yeah. in any place or whatever. And I don't even know if they mentioned that. They do right. And again, I don't line. think you, I don't oh, think sorry. you can hold the talent responsible for that. I think you have True. to hold the, 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 the agency or the copyright responsible. And I think that's something that like, you know, astute media buyers who's been, who have been doing this for a while might push back before that copy goes out to, to your network partners for these reads so as to, to mention, like, you know, add something mm -hmm. in, add where it should be, but obviously, you know, cool. cool. And what about you? Um, I, yeah. 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 Um, I would give this like an 8.5 actually. I think I think they did a good job. I am I'm such a sucker for like uh, you know just like podcasts that like have a lot of energy and I think that these guys in particular like I just the, the beginning I, I was immediately like you know just drawn um, and I forget what they said but they said so they sort of like jumped in like oh and this one and they did some sort of funny excitement thing and I'm just the ADHD in me is like oh okay what are, what are we talking about so I did like that I think it was a little it resonated me more than the the last one where it was sort of just like very straight and sort of like same tone which is totally fine and like people like that um, but for me in particular like I like a little bit of energy and a little bit of chaos and i think that they brought that awesome awesome All right, we got two more All let's right. dive in let's get them two more let's do it so next one um we're gonna switch advertisers um poise uh again is a new advertiser um i i believe it's like leak proof underwear or stuff like that um we'll let the ads sort of um do that job that, for us that's, but that's um, what the ad should tell us we should know what the product exactly. is after the ad mm-hmm mm-hmm um, all right, so this one is on Lady Gang. Let's give it a listen. L.com promo code LGPOD. This episode of Lady Gang is brought to you by Poise Ultra Thins. As you all know, I welcomed Baby Ford into my life last year, and I am so grateful for all my mom friends. They share their tips and tricks and, you know, little secrets. Something else I learned from my mom friends is that one in two women over 20 experience bladder leaks. I was just recently on an airplane with a friend of mine who said she's been dealing with bladder leaks, and you know what I told her? You've got to get Ultra Thins. She was using period pads, and even though so many women are going through this, most women use period pads to protect against bladder leaks, but they aren't made for it, so they don't don't work as well. Poise Ultra Thins are specifically designed for bladder leaks and keep you 10 times drier than the leading period pad. So what did I do? I sent her some Poise Ultra Thins and she is stoked. Poise Ultra Thins are designed for leaks to help keep you clean, dry, and fresh and offer with and without wings, which helps them stay in place all day. Poise is here to make sure that moms can enjoy life without compromise. It takes poise. Learn more at poise.com. Okay. Amazing. Um, just a little bit of context. I, I thought Poise was like a new sort of startup ED to C brand. They are not, they are like an OG. Um, uh, but I didn't, I like, because of the new advertiser sort of thing and you know, the way that they talked about this, it wasn't like, here's our range of every product and stuff. They weren't talking about the company as a whole, but they were talking about this specific product. So that, that I just Googled that and I was like, Oh, interesting. I've totally seen this brand. Um, so I it's super interesting that they're now getting into the podcast space. 
these um, because I think they are a really large brand. Um, so yeah, Adam, let's let's pass it over to you. What do you think? High level thoughts? I, I mean, executed almost perfectly in terms of like the cadence, the timing. It hits all the talking points in every way. They've like done everything that they need to. There was a good story at the beginning. It was almost like too well produced. Like it felt very structured. I wanted like almost like a little break of laughter just to remind me that they're human because it was almost that perfect in it. But I'm still like, again, like these are, these have all been fantastic ads today. I have not a ton of critiques on them today. So I've maybe personalize and get into the details. Did you use them or what, well, you know, like tell a story of like how they saved your life on a flight or something like that. I don't know what it is. Uh, but otherwise like, yeah, I think super, super well. The only thing that I, I think I didn't like what they did at the end was their call to action was head to poise.com to learn more. That is such uh, a loose, vague call to action that doesn't really compel me to do much. Like, what? learn more. Do you want me to buy? Do you want me to shop? Can I buy them in store? Do I have to buy them online? I don't know at this point. All I know is that one in two women struggle with this and that I should probably go learn more about this if I'm someone who struggles. I do think on, on an outside perspective of placement on the show, I think it's a perfect fit in terms of like the brand on Lady Gang, knowing the podcast, knowing the demographics, et cetera. Like they did a really good job of targeting. I think right host, right product, right audience, A plus tier there. So overall, really well done. But I think the call to action is where I felt like they, they messed up and they could have done a better job there. Yeah, so interesting that, I mean, the nuances between like learn more and shop more and stuff, those are all things in the, you know, just digital marketing space that you like, you know, you decide based on, you know, what you want your objective to be. So that's really interesting and good point. Yeah, they didn't say if you could buy them in stores or if it was just online. I mean, I'm sure you can. I've definitely see, seen Poise um, in, in general supermarkets. Um so my my like big things I totally agree with you Adam. Um I think the you know the stat one and two women like wow mind opening, you know, like I, I think that was really really great. Um she perfectly led it into content I'm sure she's talked about before which is this new baby. Um so super awesome and again like she didn't even have to say these are four recent moms. Like she she told that story which again is very very true in the sense that she's actually was describing her own story. Um and then I think another really great thing that she said was the airplane stuff. She was talking to a friend on an airplane about it who uses pads. Um, I mean, again, just authentic, like totally picture that conversation happening, you know, with two mom recent moms and stuff. Um, and then I think the other thing that they did a really good job was like address sort of the problem um, outside of just the, the leakage in general. Most women are using period pads. And I'm sure there's so many women listening to that that are like, yeah, I do that. Oh, I shouldn't be doing that. Or there's a better solution. I think that was really, really great where they sort of talked about the problem or what there is in the, um, you know, out there available for them and how that's not the right fit. And this actually was created um, for solving that problem. So I think this one was really, really great all around. Um, I would, I have a high grade for it for sure. Um, but yeah, Giancarlo, what do you think? I mean, I, I don't really need to follow. You guys have pretty much laid this out perfectly, but I would say, you know, mentioning her baby's name, I wrote down baby Ford, like that personalizes it, that hooks you. That's immediately like that personal personalization you're looking for. Um, I do think that one of the hardest things to do for a brand like a PNG or a Kimberly Clark is to give away that autonomy. Um, I, I want to say I launched PNG's first shaving company when I was at Cadence. It was the art of shaving back in 2016. And one of the biggest challenges, and I went through the DRTV agency at that time was to get them to give that autonomy away. They wanted strictly verbatim red spots that were by the book. And I think that like, it's taken seven years, but maybe the people who are advising these larger kind of 
you know, brands holding codes, because this is a Kimberly Clark product, they're, they're, they're saying like, Hey, like this spot will not work on a podcast. Like people will skip it. Like if, if you, if you just give them talking points and tell them to read it from start to finish skip, I, I mean, I, I have pretty much no notes in the sense that for a brand advertisement that's looking for awareness, you can't get much better than this type of awareness, mm-hmm. uh, this kind of personalization, um, to Adam's point, the only critique I have is that, you know, like it's too perfect. Like you kind of want that, that level of like, you know, vulnerability that you think is going to be there. Like, cause it's been scripted so well. Um, but that's just like somebody who's very much in the industry nitpicking this to the point where I think that, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be we're getting too specific, but yeah, I think it's yeah. a, it's a perfect brand ad from every sort of perspective. It's as best as you can get for a large company like that. Yeah. And and I think that's a really valuable point, Giancarlo, for new brands coming into this space that are maybe hearing their podcast ads for the first time. I would, I would take a reminder and say, Hey, allow imperfection into your ad reads and allow that to happen because that can be what makes your ad reads exceptional. Um, and I think a lot of people come into this space from like a YouTube ad background or wherever else they're buying ads where there is a lot of perfection. Podcasting is not a perfect industry and the people that are hosting these podcasts are not perfect. They're not necessarily all creating these high produced published shows. In fact, it's just people that have decided that they want to turn on a microphone and talk and they are now bestowing the opportunity for you to advertise on their show and they are talking to their audience in an imperfect way. And then all of a sudden you're expecting them to talk about your product in a very perfect way. It's almost a stark contrast. Allow them to speak about your product in the way that they already speak to their audience and you will find better results. Almost always. Almost. That's so interesting. Um, and the other thing that, you know, we, we actually haven't talked about too much. Um, there's two types of, I, I wouldn't call them like advertiser goals maybe, but maybe you guys can help me sort of find this, but brand awareness and direct response, right? So Adam, I know most of the ads that we've listened to are probably pretty direct response. Mm-hmm. They have that very strong call to action. Um, but Giancarlo, you said this was a great branded yep. ad. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Because I think, you know, we were critiquing the call to action before the learn more thing, but maybe that does sort of go back to the brand awareness thing. Well, listen, both of these ads today or all three that we've listened to thus far, they're, they're, they're more branded ads. Like impossible mm-hmm. foods is running a brand awareness campaign. Like you're not seeing that, like the call to action is more of a direct response play. I would argue that brands should use it more in podcasts because audience and listeners are used to it. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, from a brand response perspective, you want to follow what's working for, or from a, you want to follow what's working for, with direct response, even for awareness. Cause to me, um, we talk about all the time about lift studies and all these kind of like, you know, differentiations of measuring success for brands. The most immediate success is recognition, right? And to me, like, if you listen to the kinds of direct response advertisers and advertisements that you hear traditionally on podcasts that have worked, most of the listeners can repeat those ads back to you because to Adam's point, there is differentiation. It's not the same ad being regurgitated over and over again. Like, I think that, you know, the more we try to make podcasts into radio or streaming audio or whatever that, you know, correlation is, the more it's going to lose the value to the listener 
which is the most important thing. Content is always king. The content is always going to win. So from an advertising perspective, whether you're direct response or brand awareness, you want that to be resonant with someone. And I think that this ad in particular did that to a level that I think that a corporate entity that's not used to doing this probably like would allow it to. And from that perspective, I would give it a very high grade, but I've seen many big brands come in and say, it has to be verbatim. It has to be by the book. We need to listen to it before it goes out. And what they fail to realize is the more that they kind of like do not allow for that independence and custom ability for the host's voice, the less resonant it will be with the audience. And I think that that's a really important thing for advertisers, both, you know, brands and direct response to always recognize. Now, obviously like with a brand like this and with like pharmaceutical type products, like you cannot expect a host to innately use it and you, you shouldn't demand that they do. So it, it involves a lot of legwork from an agency to say, Hey, you know, did your host use a product like this? Would they be willing to use a product like this? You know, we've had some baby products on in the past. Um, we've had some hosts who've had kids who have used those products. That's a really good corollary. Obviously, you know, what a holding co or a larger network will say is, well, that's not scalable. We can't make money off of that. Well, maybe that's true, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's going to be hard because it's a temporary thing. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you know, are we in the business of scalability? Yes, we're definitely in the business of making money, but we're also in the business of retaining the value to the listeners so that we can continue to make money going forward. So I think that there's a careful balance that needs to be kind of construed on both sides of this industry to ensure that we are not just bombarding listeners with ads that maybe don't resonate with them, but also providing people value. So when they do come in, we can maintain our premium nature and premium prices. Cause for the most part, if you look at our digital advertising industry as a whole, you know, obviously you can go spend a lot of money on social and get some value out of it, but that recognition and that recollection of what somebody told you, that's not replicable in other media channels other than podcasting. Make meat history. I will remember that. Me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 110% agree. All right, scores. Giancarlo, what would you get? I'm going to go with an 8.6. I think it's for a brand advertising, it's pretty perfect, and that's the highest score I've given today. So we'll, we'll leave it as such. Adam? I'm going to give it an 8.5. I think it's just about as on par as the toast. I think it fits the Lady Gang audience perfectly for them. Similarly, how the toast fit their audience perfectly for them. I think there's very few critiques in all honesty. Like if I was in an even better mood today, I could probably grade them at like nines, both. Um, they're both fantastic and I would give them about the same grade. So 8.5, I'll call it there. I'm going to say nine. I really, really liked it. I, I thought it was absolutely great. And and again, I mean, uh, Giancarlo, you just said the best thing about like, you know, reminding us that like this is a massive brand. Like they, and mm -hmm. they are not small. And I think, uh, you know, I have seen ads from large brands too that are just so scripted. I know that, you know, the tensions between the brand teams and the direct response and the growth teams, you know, they're always bat, you know, butting heads. Um, and so I think this one for, for such a large brand and getting, you know, as a new advertiser in the podcast space, getting into this, I mean, they just, they nailed it right off the bat. And I do think you're right. We could probably talk with their brand teams and there 
was probably like a lot of back and forth about how they wanted to do this. They probably listened to other ads um, so that, you know, they sort of understood where they needed to come um, and how they sort of needed the ad to be read. Um, but I, I would give them really big kudos to your guys' point um, about like, you know, making this. I, I totally thought it was a small brand that had just launched and it was a new sort of, you know, startup DTC product. And and I, I was just so floored when I was they wrong. almost because, like, make you feel like it is. That's the good totally. thing. Yeah. Totally. I mean, totally. Yeah. No, go ahead. No, no. I was going to say like the fact that the, that you did feel that way is 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 partially because the ad was done in such a positive way. So I yeah yeah no no comments. Perfect. Awesome. Awesome. We got one more. Right. Let's crush it out. Let's wrap it up. Yes. Okay, so um, this is um, Poise. Again, it's on the podcast Funny because it's true with Elise Myers. Are you guys familiar with her? I am, yeah. She's awesome. So authentic. Um, and I think she does this one's It's in a short read, but I think she does such a good job um, at bringing her sort of um, voice in here. So let me actually I can play this now. All right. Um, here we go. Slash Elise. This episode of Funny Because It's True is brought to you by Poise Ultra Thins. So as you know, on this show, I try to be as honest with everyone as I possibly can about my life experiences, both good and bad, including how things were for me after the birth of my son. I learned so much during that time, it could honestly fill up its own podcast. And I'm not going to shy away from keeping it real about motherhood. And a very real issue that millions of women face is bladder leakage. Nobody's talking about it, but one in two women are experiencing bladder leaks, and most of them are not using the right protection. Thankfully, we have Poise Ultra Thins to change that. Unlike traditional period pads, Poise Ultra Thins are designed specifically for bladder leaks. If you're a new mom experiencing it, or just anyone experiencing it, Poise Ultra Thins help you stay clean, dry, and fresh. Poise Ultra Thins offer with and without wings, and both stay in place all day. You won't even feel like they're there. Motherhood is seriously so much easier when you can actually feel comfortable, no matter what your body might be throwing at you. Thank you, Poise, for coming up with a solution. It takes Poise. Learn more at Poise.com. All right. Yeah, Adam, you want to kick I it do, off? I do, I do. So overall, like at the beginning, I was so hooked. This was perfect. It was going really smoothly. I have just a couple subtle critiques. One, I think the editor could maybe edit out the the big gasps of error uh, right before a lot of the sentences. It almost like makes it feel like it's a stressful read at that point. Like I felt like she was running out of breath by the end, like she was reading through a script. And I only felt that way about 60 to 70% in. So, and that made me feel like, oh, this is a script and I am no longer as engaged. But up until that point, like I was clapping in my, I don't know if you guys could see that. I was like, this is going really, really well, really smooth. Love the way she introed. Like 10 out of 10 intro. If that was all I was judging, 10 out of 10 read. It was perfect. Adding in that and the other little subtle pieces, this is again on the production side and on the editor side. There was a pretty long gap between the ad that came before and this ad where I was like, uh, is there content coming? Is there anything happening? Uh, that could just be tightened up a little bit. But overall, again, a fairly good read. There was more on the editing side of things and the pacing that I felt got a little rushed at the end. Overall, though, still very, very good. Like, Amila, you didn't give us any bad reads today. You didn't give us anything that I, like, can really tear apart. These are all fairly, fairly good. Yeah. Giancarlo, what do you think? Yeah, I think it was, it was, you know, similar talking points. You see it resonate. I mean, whoever wrote the script did a phenomenal job of like making it. So uh, I definitely think that after the birth of her son, that's a line that I think maybe they only found hosts who had kids. So that now makes a lot more sense. It's just like, do you have, did you have a kid ever? <laughs> like mm -hmm. that's a prerequisite to running a campaign with you. So I can see where the buyer is coming from. 
I can see from the network side, it's like, you're a host with children. Like, you know, I definitely think the spot, it felt a little bit more scripted than the previous one. But other than that, like, you know, I mean, it, it's hard, right? Like I, I can see where the instructions from the agency were probably like, you have to hit these bullet points. You can kind of customize it with your own way. But at the end of the day, like, you know, thankfully whoever was writing that copy did a good job because it made, I think the host's lives a lot easier to kind of resonate with their audience because it was so well-written and, you know, sometimes you get good bullet points. Sometimes you don't, sometimes you get prompts, which are great and provide phenomenal content. Sometimes you get terrible prompts that you kind of have to, you know, we have to curate on our end as a, as a network. But, you know, in this instance, I think that, you know, the copywriters did their jobs on, and, and the host definitely kind of translated that into something that was uh, positive for the brand. But yeah, to your yeah. point, Adam, I think that gap is probably the ad tech not working correctly. Um, mm -hmm. That's why you got that gap. So. Oh, interesting. Oh. Um, yeah, totally no. agree with all of you guys. I think, um, again, to Adam, you know, what everybody was saying, um, there were a lot of spaces between it where it felt like she was reading one line and then, you know, yeah. she was going out on the next and they sort of edited that in. Yeah, the breaths or whatever they were, but it, that that made it feel, I think, way more scripted than it needed to. And I don't know if it would have felt that way. Um, this one also to me, like if I had listened to this one before I listened to the other Poise ad, I think I would have got that big company vibe. I think there were, I, I forget what it, what it was, but there were definitely a couple more like very specific specific brand phrases that they were saying or that she said um, that was interesting, which isn't a bad thing by any means, because again, we're talking about that recognition and stuff. And like, I think the poison and, and the, you know, one in two women stat that they've carried mm -hmm. across all of these ads, like that will stick in your head. Um, and uh, I mean, so interesting, right? Like they're, they're a new advertiser getting into this space. Um, they haven't advertised at least on podcasts in the last 12 months. Um, and, you know, they, they really approach this with, you know, they could probably advertise on any woman podcast, right? Especially if, um, you know, the, the stat is correct where it's one in two women struggle with this, but they specifically found moms. So both of the hosts um, were moms. And I think that goes back to the beauty of podcasting and, and something they did a really good job of where when they were launching this, they were like, we want that to be the tie in because, you know, it will resonate with the content that we know the audience has already heard about their recent children. Um, so, yeah, overall, I think this was really good. I do think, again, way more scripted than the other one, which isn't a problem. Um, I still think it's memorable. But, um, yeah, I think the biggest things were just those pauses. They probably could have um it felt it could have felt a little more fluid if they were um just trimmed down a bit cool should we go to grades absolutely all right who wants to kick it off amelia you kick this one off um i would give this one a seven yeah yeah, I would give this one a seven. I really like Elise, um, and I'm, I actually need to listen to more of her ads to see if this is sort of the how you know how she does them and stuff. But um, you know, I, I, I just don't think she brought the energy and stuff that uh, she can usually. Um, and and I wanted to see a little bit more of that. I'll give it a seven point five. Uh, nope, I'm gonna give it a seven as well. And I'm gonna say okay. it would be a really easy bump up to seven point five with just a little bit of editing work on some of those breaths in. If the content of the ad is the only thing that I'm judging and not the editing style, I would give it a 7.5 on the content. Seven because they lost some points on the editing side of how they actually put in the breaths, et cetera. But that said, again, the biggest thing is just bring a little bit more authenticity. And the notable thing, here's the craziest part about a lot of these ads, is none of them gave a specific really strong endorsement. Like on the Poise ads, they didn't say that they used Poise ad uh, as a product. They just talked about how people should use it and could use it. And what I felt with the Lady Gang ad read was that it almost came across as though she did, even though she never said she did. Whereas in this one, 
it was kind of almost clear that like she just talked about it as a product separate from who she was while giving some recommendation. So that's where I think Lady Gang just did a little bit better job of communicating almost an endorsement like spot. Yep. Uh, such a good point because you're you're spot on. It was it wasn't an endorsement. They never said they used it, but it felt like it, like it was an endorsement. Like and remember they, the other one they brought up the airplane and the talking to him. So you almost got that like secondary endorsement endorsement from like her friend that she was talking to or whatever. Um, yeah. All right, Giancarlo, what would you give it? You know, I I kind of I think I'm just gonna keep things diplomatic here and round it out with the seven as well because I think like, the copywriting was good. Um, I don't think the host probably could be at fault if there was a lot of like direction to stick to the script, which there might have been, right? Um, I I think that to Adam's point, like there probably could have been a little bit more uh, customization. But again, right, having worked with a lot of brands, it's it's difficult sometimes to kind of adhere to what is being asked um, while at the same same time providing customization. So I think that you know the script writing gets a gets an A plus given the difficulty of working with sometimes larger brand entities. Um, and I, I think you can't necessarily fault the host for potential instructions that may have come across uh, for the ad read. So, you know, definitely potential to get better, but obviously not, you know, not a bad ad. Seven all around. Woohoo! I, I think that might be the first time we've had all three people agree. Triple seven. Um, yeah, triple seven. Um, okay, awesome. Uh, actually, this will also be the first time we've wrapped it up in literally an hour spot. So uh, let's end it at that. Any any last final themes or, or takeaways that you guys had listening to all of these ads? Call to action, personalization, to action. and make sure that you know, you're not taking the host or the audience for granted to really kind of use that to your advantage and not necessarily... Um, not necessarily do what maybe has worked in other channels, whether it be TV or radio or even digital, like try to be a little bit more personable. That's, you know, that's the beauty of our channel is the, the conversational nature. So keep that in mind as you're creating content for listeners. Yeah, I think uh, to John Carlos point, uh, he brought this up earlier that the best brand awareness brands will take strategies from direct response brands. And I think we saw that best done probably from impossible on these ads where they really leveraged talking about the product, how they integrate it in their lives, even though it was a brand spot, it felt almost like a direct response ad. The DR brands built this industry and they got really smart with how they do their ads and how they generated revenue and how they built their businesses in this space. They have a lot of learnings that you as a brand buyer at McDonald's, Geico, wherever you are, uh, pay attention to what they do, take strategies, even if you can't implement everything that they do, Take some from them and apply that into your ads because you will see better results. And again, to Giancarlo's point, let the host speak the way the host wants to speak to their audience as much as you possibly can. I know you have brand guidelines. I know there's things that can and can't be said, but where possible, give as much freedom to the host to speak to their audience. They know them better than you will ever know them. Woohoo! All right. Well, that wraps up today's episode. Um, thank you guys so much. Giancarlo, it was so great to have you. I, I would love to have you again um, at some point and, and we'll find some other fun themes. But um, you're going to be at Podcast Movement, right? I will be. See you both there. Awesome. I'm very excited about that. Thank you for having me. Happy to join again. Uh, this has been a lot of fun and thank you for you know inviting me on. 
Woohoo. Of course. All right. Well, um, everybody, you know, that's listening, catch us at Podcast Movement if you're going to be there. Um, very, very excited. But um, all right. Thank you, guys. Make why, Amelia, why make good ads? Just make better. Just, just, make, just make them better. better. Yeah. Just make better ones. Why make it when you can make better? Mm-hmm.